This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. It is we're in we're Genesis chapter 22. Uh, we're studying the life of Abraham. I don't know if you know it or not, but Abraham takes up 15 chapters of the book of Genesis. He is the primary character in 15 chapters of a 40 chapter book, which means that Abraham's life is the primary life that is that is studied in the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis was written by Moses, but uh, it's primarily about Abraham. And that the reason it's about Abraham is because he is the man of faith. He's, a, he's the man who trusted God and got to experience God's, uh, got to experience God's purposes, got to experience what God had in store for him for his life. And when, when we got to, when we get to Abraham, we are studying the quintessential as far as when you're thinking about scripture, especially the Old Testament, we're studying the quintessential man of faith. And it's always good to just sometimes stop and think about his, the core of who he is and the core of how he responds and how he acts toward God. If you'll notice, many times the angel of the Lord has come to see Abraham. He is always eagerly running to see God. He is always eager to be in God's presence. He's always eager to meet with God. That's a sign of a person of faith, a person who is walking with God, a person who is seeking out God's purposes and not their own, a person who is learning uh, God's will and ways over their own will and ways. It's just it's, it's a it's just one of those things you look for. It's a hallmark of a believer, and we use the term believer to describe ourselves. And that word believer is a person of faith. It's a person who trusts God. And notice I keep using those words interchangeably: faith, hope, trust, believe. Those are the translations of the New Testament idea a word called pistio, which comes from the Old Testament idea of faith. And Abraham is, like I said just a few minutes ago, Abraham is the character in the Bible who is quintessential to faith. Abraham, Abraham obviously has done, as we reach chapter 22 of Genesis, he's done a lot to show you that he's a person of faith. He's just, he's right there. He's in the midst of it. He's always acting. God told him as a young man to leave his people and leave his surroundings, leave his hometown. And sometimes that's very difficult and and go to a place you do not know and live among a people you do not know. And Abraham did it. That was a great act of faith. And we've seen over and over Abraham hearing God and trusting God, even though it seems impossible, trusting God, believing God for big things, and believing God for his prodigy to be a great nation and that God's promises to him are yes and amen. He just, he, he constantly does that. And then we get to this chapter. And I guess chapter 22 is the place where Abraham kind of seals his position 
as as one of the great men of faith in Scripture. It is the chapter that really has set the course of history. It's the chapter that kind of has changed the whole world as far as its picture of of, of Abraham actually taking on the role of God in the eternal story of God's redemption for mankind. And when I say taking on the role, I don't mean that he is God. What I mean is that he is taking on that symbolic role in this story in the sense that he is going to be asked by God to offer his son as a sacrifice on the altar. The son of promise, the son, the promised son, the promised the promised child, he's been, he's going to be asked to sit, asked to place that child on the altar. And, and wow, that's, uh, that's one of those, that's one of those statements that is, uh, it is hard to, it's hard to, to even imagine. And it's that hard to, and Abraham embodies it so well that you forget that as you're thinking about how could Abraham do that? How is, Abraham even considering that. How could Abraham even come to a place in his own heart where he would even try to do that? And you forget that he's actually in this story, and it's not just a story, it's a true story. It's a it's an actual event. How could Abraham do it? And then you realize, oh, God did it too. God did the same thing. And then you realize, oh, that's the whole point of the story. That's what this is about. This is about God giving us a picture of him making the making the decision to send his son to the cross of the whole idea from time immemorial the bible says that jesus was slain from the foundation of time the idea that god had prepared to do this and he is asking abraham and think about the honor of this think about the honor that abraham is going to have in this he's getting the honor of playing the role in history of God Himself playing that that picture that 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 story of the willingness to place His Son as a sacrifice on the altar and 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 for Abraham to even be chosen for that role is a great honor. It's an honor that's unimaginable. And the reason Abraham's chosen for that role is because Abraham is a man of faith. Abraham's somebody that can be trusted to act when God asks him to act. Abraham is someone who can be, God expects, he knows Abraham is going to rush out to do his will and is going to rush out to know his will and is desirous to be in his presence. And like I said, a per, the hallmark of a person of faith is a person that is regularly chasing after the presence of God. That's, that is a, that is a hallmark of faith. A person who is regularly, continually all the time desirous to be in the presence of Almighty God. That, that's the hallmark of faith. Verse 1 of chapter 22 says, Now as it came to pass, and you know that, that, that is mentioned a lot in the Bible, but the truth is as time goes on, things happen. And really that's what this phrase means, as it came to pass. As time goes on, things happen. And they always do, don't they? They always do. As time goes on, things always happen. And it says, and now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Now notice, he's not testing him for no reason. God is testing that faith. And you go, well, why is God always testing us? Well, you got to remember, testing means more than just taking a measurement or a reading of a person's faith. 
Testing is tempering it and making it stronger. Testing that faith is doing the things that make that faith that does exist and is in action already. It's making it hard and solid. It's making it something that cannot be changed. It's hardening it into the systems that are in place. And that's what's going on here. God is hardening the faith of Abraham. He is testing Abraham in the midst of this struggle. And so it says it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, now notice that don't run past this too fast. Don't go past it too quickly. God calls out, Abraham. And what does Abraham do? He says, here I am. This is another one of those hallmarks of faith. This is one of those things where we see it. We see the old priest, Samuel, the prophet Samuel, laying down and going to sleep at night. And he's there. He's there in the temple and he hears God call out to him, Samuel. And he jumps up and he runs to go see the chief priest to see what the chief priest wants. And the chief priest says, it's not me. I didn't call you. He goes back and lays down, and then God says, Sam, and he jumps up and goes back in again, and the chief priest, realizing that it's not him, but it's God who's calling out to Samuel, he tells Samuel to go back to bed and to lay down, and when he's called out, to, when God calls his name out again, just say, here I am. What that means is, I'm ready to hear what you've got to say. I'm ready to I'm ready to receive your will. I'm ready to see receive your purposes for me. And Samuel goes and lays down in the bed and God calls out to him again. And Samuel says, here am I. And that brings about the kingdoms of Israel. That that, that brings about to God using Samuel as the priest and the prophet who, who ultimately, the best way for me to describe it is ultimately shepherds the burgeoning kingdom of Israel and shepherds it all the way to David where David begins to be the true leader of Israel. Samuel is the bridge between the judges and the kings. And so it is a hallmark of faith. I think of I think of the prophet Jeremiah, or maybe Isaiah. My mind's blanking on me right now, but but he's in the throne room of heaven. He said, I saw the Lord hide, seated, and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory. And God says, Whom shall we send? And uh, who shall go? And that prophet yells out, Here I am, send me. And it's the idea of a person who is actively, regularly, in their own heart and mind, wanting to hear from God and wanting to know God's will for their life. And those times where God just speaks with that kind of clarity in our life can be sometimes rare. They can be not, they're not a daily occurrence. Sometimes they're not even a yearly occurrence. Sometimes they're those occurrences that happen and, and they happen just a couple of times in our lives. Now, other people, according to their giftings and God's purposes for them, may hear from God a little bit more clearly at more often or more numerous occasions. But just because that's the case, just because that's the case doesn't mean that you're not one who hears God. Samuel, Abraham, is a man who hears God because he's got a willing heart to hear God. He's got a heart that says, here I am. It's a heart that says, I am, I'm here waiting and listening. I'm here prepared to do your bidding and to do your will. I am a person who desires to know you. And those are hard, those are difficult words to really comprehend in the sense of doing them, in the sense of actually making them a part of our lives. To say to God, here I am, send me. Here I am, what is it you want? 
Lord? What is it that you desire that you would call my name out? It's the same idea of it's the same idea of the disciples when Jesus was uh, going around and he would say, "Come follow me. Are you willing to follow me?" We're going to we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks a man who wanted to follow Jesus, but he loved he he loved his position, he loved his power, he loved his wealth too much so that at that moment in time he could not follow Jesus. He could not chase after him. And, and that's a problem. And when something in this world that is perishing becomes more important than the eternality of God's will and plan for our lives, when something in this world is more important than that, we have our priorities messed up and we have our, our way of looking at the world is marred and it flipped up upside down, really. What came first, the physical or the spiritual? Obviously, God is spirit. And everything that is physical came from him. In fact, John chapter 1 says that Jesus made all things and all things that were made by him and nothing that was made was not made by him. What does that mean? That means that that God is, is the author of all things. And God the Father willed that into existence by his very mind and heart. And if he willed all that into existence by his very mind and heart and he is spiritual, then the spiritual came first. So what has to be ultimately of the most importance? Is it the physical? We would many times in our own lives, we would say the physical is more important because that's where I live. But the truth is everything spirit physical comes from the spiritual and everything spiritual is what is going to be eternal and what matters the most. And so when Abraham turns to God and says, here am I, send me. When he says, here I am, what is it you want, Lord? When the disciples drop everything and go follow him, when Jesus calls them to follow him, that is an understanding. That's an idea that, that that's a reality and an idea that God is actually, God is actually the most important thing. He is, his purposes and the spiritual purposes in the world are far more important than the physical things. And Knowing that is a great leap for a believer. Coming to that realization is a is an important leap for a believer. But it's not only that. Acting upon that is the doorway into all great things. It's the doorway into actual life. Uh, the truth is the spiritual gifts that God gives us, the spiritual work that God gives us, it lasts. It continues on. When we serve God and we see God at work in our life, the things that we see about him are things that are continual. The daily pleasures of the moment for the flesh or the daily enjoyments of life that God gives us, they pass away. The physical world passes away, but the spiritual doesn't. And that's why God treasures people so much, because people are the only thing in this world that are spiritual. They're the only things in this physical world that, that have spiritual purpose. And so that's why God places so, so much great value on us is because we are the eternal beings. We're the ones who are going to live in eternity. Jesus said, those whom the Father give me, I give eternal life. And so those that are around us that have that eternal life that we see, that we hear, that we know, those around us that do those things, uh, those are the things that are, those are the people that are important. Those are the things that are the things we have to lock in on. God said to Isaac in verse two, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Notice God is in full knowledge and understanding of, of Abraham's view of Isaac. He says, I know he's your firstborn son. I know he is your only son with you. And he says, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains on which I shall tell you. 
Notice, he is saying to Abraham, take your son, the only one you've got right here, and the one that you love, and you go and make him a burnt offering to me. You offer him as a sacrifice to me. Wow, what a what a thing to ask Abraham to do. But more importantly, what a thing for Abraham to even consider. Isaac is the encompassment of all the promises God has made to him. And now he's willing, he's being asked to make that as a burnt offering, as a sacrifice to him. He's being asked to give his firstborn son up as a sacrifice to God. What a thing to ask and what a thing to even consider. And yet God asked it of himself and considered it and implemented the plan in regard to Jesus Christ. He offered Jesus up as a sacrifice. See, this is giving us a foreshadowing. It's the picture. It's the foreshadowing picture of God offering his own son as a sacrifice for our sin, as a burnt offering. Remember, burnt offerings were a sin sacrifices. It's not as a fellowship offering. It's as an offering for sin. It's an offering for, uh, for his failures, for his rebellious heart, for his desires to do his own will rather than God's will. And you know what? <clears throat> Abraham did it. Abraham went up to Moriah and took his son and prepared to offer him as a sacrifice. You know why? Because Abraham is a man of ultimate faith. He considered that, that if God could give him Isaac as an, at an old age and he wanted him as a sacrifice, that God would give him another son of promise to meet God's promises. And you know what else he considered? He considered that if God knew what he was doing and that God could see past the temporal moments that he lived in into the eternal things that were very important. And he said, I'm going to do what God asked me to do. And I'm not going to worry about the results. I'm going to allow him to be the king of my results. And by doing that, all of a sudden you see that, that Abraham elevates himself he elevates himself to the place where God can actually use him as a picture of himself, offering his own son as a sacrifice on the cross. And that's why Abraham's important. That's why he gets 15 chapters in the first book of the Bible, is because he is a man of faith, of such great faith, of such ability to trust God. He's a man of such great faith that God could trust him with such a awesome and terrible, and I say that terrible in the sense of so painful, so difficult, and awful in a terrible task of offering his son as a sacrifice. Now, God doesn't demand that because God does not spill that innocent blood. God does not spill that innocent blood in regard to us ourselves. He spills his own innocent blood, the innocent blood of his son for our sin. God hates the shedding of innocent blood and the only innocent blood he's willing to shed is his own blood, the blood of his son for our sins. And that's, that is, that is, that, that brought about such a great reward that it was worth, it was worth the cost. And you were such a great reward that God was willing to count the cost and, and give his son on the cross for you. And I want you to hear me today. I want you to hear me today. You have great value in the kingdom of God because of that cost that was paid. But that being said, because of that, you are now his. You're his servant. You're the one who needs to have a heart that's willing to hear the call of God. And when God calls out and says, Abraham, or says, Scott, or says, Terry, or says, or says, Ed, or says, Mary, or says, Renee, or, or says, whoever's name, you, you got to have the heart that says, here am I, send me, here am I, what do you want, Lord? 
here am I, as Abraham said. Got to have that heart because having that heart opens the door for God to use you in the greatest of ways. And we talk about we want to be used by God, but ultimately we want to be used by God in the lasting and the great things that are, are eternal and forever. And I pray that you'll do that. I pray that you'll grow in your faith to the point where you could be a person who gets the opportunity to say to God, here am I. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.